Welcome to the Transformative Principal Podcast, where we learn how to be an amazing educational leader. I am your host, Jethro Jones. Are you ready to be a transformative principal? I'm looking for about 10 people who are ready to do what it takes to lead with integrity, find balance, and take your school to the next level. If you're looking to improve your leadership in a measurable way, go to transformativeprincipal.org slash mastermind to see if you qualify to join a group of like-minded people who are ready to be the best principals in the country. Welcome to Transformative Principal. Today, I'm excited to have Stephen Sroka on the podcast. I became acquainted with Stephen when I got an email from the executive director of our Principals Association, and she had a great thing to share, and so I thought it'd be wonderful to have him on the program. So I'm excited to talk with him, and I hope that you are excited to learn from him. This is a powerful message of connecting and hope and support for those that we're working with. So thank you for taking the time to listen, and please share this with someone else who is in need. And as today is Christmas, just want to say Merry Christmas, and this is kind of a special edition of Transformative Principle for this day. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am really excited to have Dr. Steven Soroka on the program today. He has an inspiring story and is going to share a special gift in a toxic society today. And I'm excited to have him. He's someone who started out uh, living in poverty and changed his life through his will to become a educator and a national speaker is keynoting all over the place this coming up in 2017 and has been for some time now. So, Stephen, thank you so much for being on the Transformative Principle podcast today. And I obviously gave just a tiny short bio, and I'm sure there's a lot more there. So, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Well, okay. It's, uh, first of all, Jeffro, it's really great to be here and to, to share the stories, and especially with principles, because I, I have such a respect for principles. I was one for a very short time in my life. And, um, you know, being a principal today is very, very difficult. It's really where the buck stops in the schools. And, you know, if you mess up, well, as a principal, you know, you you get the blame. And if you do really, really well, the superintendent takes the credits. So yeah, it's right. an interesting <laughs> job today. For me to end up in education is really, really, really wild because uh, – I grew up in poverty. My father left. I grew up in, in welfare. And uh, I had a lot of learning problems. And I, I couldn't learn like other people. Actually, I, I failed the third grade. And the teacher wrote at the top of my report card, parent notified boys retarded. Uh, what was interesting about that is that the teacher misspelled the yeah. word. <laughs> but nevertheless, <laughs> nevertheless I, I went to elementary school being labeled retarded. I also had a speech impediment. I couldn't pronounce S's, so I called myself Mo. I also got into another fight, and I got a crossed eye, and we couldn't afford glasses. So throughout elementary, I had a crossed eye, a speech impediment. Couldn't say I couldn't pronounce S's. My name is Steve Soroka, so I, that's why I called myself Mo. And you know, labeled retarded, and uh, um, obviously, I uh, never felt really good in schools. Had a lot of time, hard, difficult time learning. Um, and by the way, I, later I found out I, I still am ADHD and dyslexic, so uh, I, I, I learn in pictures. I don't learn in words, and um, and still I have a hard time. If you give me your phone number, I mean, actually, I'll tell you, Jeff, I just called you up on the phone to make sure everything was cool. I dialed the wrong number. <laughs> <laughs> 
else. And I'm going, this is just, this is too wild. So I have a problem still with dyslexia. So I'm, I'm dyslexic and I'm, a, I'm a, a ADHD and I'm a doctor. And I teach in a med school. And I, I think it's an interesting scenario for a lot of people because, you know, people have told me I had disabilities my whole life. And really, I look at those as more or challenges, but now I, I think they're gifts because I get to see things a little different than other people do. And, uh, and I, I, like I say, I look at them as gifts. It's a, it's a gift that I got and it's pretty cool. Um, I obviously did not do well in school, had a hard time. I, I couldn't be like other kids. So I started to play like a lot of kids do. I started to play sports. I started to shoot the rock and shoot the rock is playing basketball, slinging the rock is doing drugs, but I was shooting. <laughs> Small difference there. Big difference there. And uh, I became pretty good. I became a legend in my own mind, actually. And one day, two brothers, uh, two inner city guys, uh, took me outside and beat me up so badly, they knocked both of the femurs out of my hips. I had both of the bones of my hips. They were knocked out wow. of the socket. And uh, there must have been another issue going on with me at that time because that's just still, that's not normal. But I couldn't walk. And uh, I went to the hospital, and uh, the pain was in my knees, ironically. And they took pictures of my knees, and they said, you're fine, you can go home. And luckily, an orthopedic went by and said, you know, hey, if his knees hurt, take a picture of his hips. And they did. And they found out, you know, they went, oh, my God, your hips are right out of the socket. So they put a pin in one, and they put a, uh, they took some bone off of my ankle, and they reformed the other one. So I was in the hospital for for 99 days uh, back in the day. And I sat, they did one operation and the other. When I talk with kids today, I joke about I had 99 problems, but the hips weren't one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you're working with kids, they know the rap music. Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go into what that song actually means. But I, I had 99, 99 days in the hospital. And, and the doctors came in and said, you know, Steve, you better start to use your brain because your body's not going to work. And I said, how can I use my brain? I'm retarded. And the doctor said, hey, time to get unretarded. <laughs> you know, it's a different time. We can't even use those words anymore. But yeah, I said, well, like, how do you get unretarded? He said, well, start to listen to your teachers. And I like to joke about the more I listened to them, the smarter they got. And uh, I had to learn a, a different way to, uh, uh, to learn. Uh, we were on welfare. I didn't go to college right away. In fact, my high school counselor uh, called me in and we sat down and talked. My grades, grades were getting a little better. Uh, but he just looked at me and said, "Hey, you don't you don't have the IQ to go to college," but but he didn't know I had the I will, <laughs> you know. And damn it, I did. Yeah. But way back then, it was something in me to say, "Hey, I, I got to get out of this place." It's like you know, I had to get out of the projects, but I, I couldn't right away because my family was on welfare. So I I got a job and took my mother and brother and sister off of welfare and then went to college. And at that time, I wanted to teach English. There were no jobs. I ended up getting a job in chemistry. I became a polymer chemist and I was making a lot of money. But one day I woke up and it was like in the middle of the night. And I said, what's the meaning of life? I was a polymer chemist at that time. I was making beer can coatings. And I was thinking, well, are beer can coatings important? Well, obviously they are to some people. But uh, to me, I thought there's got to be more to life. And I thought about my life and I said, well, what can I do to make a difference? And I thought, you know, maybe I should go into education. I had such a rough time there. Maybe I can go in and maybe help some of the people that had problems like I did. And uh, I took a, a, a job in teaching. It was at a time where you could start teaching with no credentials as, lo as long as you started to take college classes. And uh, took a 60% cut in pay, one in the teaching, and never looked back. And just, just stayed in teaching. And uh, 
I wanted to teach English, but there were no jobs, so I started to teach health. I started to teach science. They, they, because of my chemical background, they told me I could teach science. And then one day, the principal came. I was inner city, pretty much, teaching in inner city. And the principal came in and said, what's going on here? And he said, we just lost another health teacher. I said, what happened? I said, well, he was a, didn't relate well to the kids. And these were classes of 100 kids in a class. They threw a table at him. They shut the lights off and threw a table at him. He said, you want to teach health? And I said, what's health about? He says, well, you know, sex and drugs. I said, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds better than earth science, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I did that. And then I, you know, went on. I got, I got, after I did that for a while, I, I went back on a master's in administration and a principal certificate, superintendent certificate. Did that like for a year, went through the, uh, the whole practicum. And I just said, wow, this isn't me. At that time, the only people I would see would be kids that were in trouble, you know, and, and so that wasn't any fun. So I went back, taught health, got kind of radical, tried to deal with a lot of issues that, that kids were dealing with, like sex, drugs, and violence. Almost got fired and then got named a health teacher of the year. And then all of a sudden, I guess I was a little ahead of the curve, dealing with HIV and dealing with drugs and violence. I was doing this stuff before it became fashionable and funded and, and uh, got a lot of recognition and then uh, went back to school and uh, went back to Case Western. And, you know, I, I actually have a PhD from the School of Medicine and Education, a unique degree. It's a blend yeah. of two. I, you know, medicine is cool, but being an MD, you only make your money if you cut or drug, you know, and I wanted to help. I wanted to prevent and so I teach at the med school now and I train physicians. Teachers are tough because teachers think they know everything. But physicians, they know they know everything. So they're, <laughs> they're, they're a lot harder to work with. But I've been very, 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 very blessed in education. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was the Disney Health Teacher of the Year. I got the award from Cindy Crawford uh, at the Disney Awards. And I can tell you, Cindy has incredible assets. I mean, she's just a... I mean, when I say that, some people go, what did he just say? But what I mean is, uh, like Cindy, you know, in America, we judge our women by their booties, not their brains. And, you know, Cindy's just an incredible person. And it was first in her class in high school, a class for Victorian. A lot, a lot of people don't know that. But, you know, I was, uh, I'm in the National Teachers Hall of Fame, which I'm really, really proud of, although most people don't even know one exists. And I always suggest to principals, you know, every year, why don't you nominate a teacher for uh, the National Teachers Hall of Fame? And, you know, even if you don't get it, what what a great effort. I mean, your staff sees you nominating them for a national award. And I always tell the principals the best way to do that is don't you pick one. Let the staff anonymously, everybody vote for somebody other than yourself. That'll be the principal. That'll be the one that the principal will nominate that year. And it's just a good idea. But I, I got a ton of teaching awards and, uh, and and I'm really proud of them. But I can tell you, Jeff, for at this time of my life, I realized that the best teachers and the best principals that I ever see don't get awards, don't want awards. They just want to do their job. My, my wife's a teacher. She's a better teacher than I ever was. And she has no awards, nor does she want any awards. She just wants to do her job. So, I mean, I, I humbly accept all the awards, but uh, I know most, probably most, and many of the good teachers will never get an award. And yet they're, they're just the great teachers out there. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's really something that is powerful. And that's one of the reasons why I do this podcast is to find people who are normal, everyday principals making a powerful impact on their schools. And 
they're not necessarily getting the recognition that that others are. And my very first uh, interview way back three years ago was with uh, the principal of D Elementary. And nobody knows who D Elementary is, but she was a powerhouse principal and did fantastic things. Sandra Jolovich Motes and you know, she was just a super hardworking lady. And that's, you know, part of why I'm doing this is to help bring, shed some light on people who, who weren't always getting the, that recognition. And one of the things that, that I heard about you with is the gift in a toxic society. And I want to talk about some of the other things that you do as well. But since this is going to be released on Christmas and we're all getting and giving gifts at this time of year, can you talk about the gift in a toxic society and, and what that means and and why that matters to you? Yeah. And, and you know, what you just said, I think is so important, Jeff. I, you know, I go to a lot of conferences. I hear a lot of people and sometimes I'll hear some of these big name speakers get up. They've written their books and stuff. And you get up and it's like, ah. And then you go and you hear this teacher from nowhere, or principal from like nowhere, talking about what they do in their school. And you're just overwhelmed. You go, this is incredible. And I think for you to give light to people like that, there are so many good people doing so many good things. And letting letting that word get out there is, is really, really good. I think a lot of times at these conferences, some of these people forgot to, what it was like to do what they used to do because they haven't done it for so long. Yeah, it's, it's like teachers telling you how to teach who have never taught, like you see in colleges a lot. And so anyhow, the gift in a, um, in a toxic society. I think this is the perfect gift you could give this year. It's a gift that you can't buy. Cost you nothing, but it costs you everything. Uh, but uh, even if you see it, and um, you know, it's on my website, and you can check it out. There's a story behind it that I'd love to, sh- to share right now. It kind of gives even more meaning to it. Please. I, my job right now is I, I go around and deal with a lot with sex and drugs and violence in schools, and dealing with it and putting schools back together after a crisis. And I'd gone to Indiana, and there was a boy who had died there, a football player, died drinking alcohol. He suffocated in his own vomit, and it was a real sad situation. We tried to put the community together, do some prevention, intervention stuff, and I'm flying back, and it was around this time of year, several years ago, and I'm thinking to myself, as I'm flying, what am I going to buy my wife for Christmas? I'm going, whoa, whoa, I just buried somebody, and I'm thinking about buying my wife something for Christmas. So a lot of times when I'm in a crisis situation like this, I, I kind of like, I talk to my creator and say, man, I need a little direction here. And, and Jeff, all that plane on that plane ride i got this idea of the gift and uh and basically what it is is that you take out a piece of paper no computers no smartphones you take out a real piece of paper and you you get a pen or a pencil and at the top you write the gift and then you write the whole prompt here is that i don't want to die but if i do i want you to know that and then you tell that person in your writings. You know, I, I was thinking, like, this is such a cool idea. I got my, my, my wife a present. It'll take me five minutes to write it, and it, it won't cost me anything, and I'll be done. Well, it turned out that this took me, like, weeks. And my, my hand was killing me and by the time I got it. But what you do is you, you put it at the top. I don't want to die, but if I do, I want you to know that. And then in your own handwriting, you tell that person what they mean to you. And, and like, you know, what do they do that make you laugh? What do they make you do that makes you cry? You know, what are your dreams? What are your fears? You know, 
And if you were to die and can only come back for three minutes, what would you tell that person? And you put that in that letter. And I know it sounds so trite. You can say it in 30 seconds. But I'm telling you, Death Row, you do this thing right. It will change your life. It will change the person you love's life. You give them that letter, like I gave it to my wife, and then I watched her read it. And I looked her in the eyes as she read it. And she cried, and I cried, and she laughed, and I laughed. And it'll bring smiles and tears to your face. And it's a perfect holiday gift. You can't buy it. The person that gets it will probably never throw it away. It'll probably be read long after you're gone. And you know, when I travel, and I travel a lot now, if I were not to make it home one time, my wife could pull out my gift and read it, and she's going to know what she means to me. I've been doing this now for a couple of years, and I I have principals around the country that give this to their staff at a staff meeting, and many of them give it as a writing prompt to their students. They give it to their teachers to use it for students. And I get letters back from students and, and parents and principals and teachers and um, how this thing changed their life. I, mean, I, have, I have emails here where people said it saved their marriage. Other people said it pulled their family back together. It's just, it's an incredibly simple yet incredibly profound activity. And you know, you really to do it right, you got to put everything you got into it. But when you do, you got something that is just, it's priceless out there. Now, what happened to me is like, I go out to schools a lot of times, like I say, after a death. And it's not unusual for me, for people to just get in my arms and cry and say, I should have told my kid or somebody that I loved them a whole lot more. And sometimes in life, the truth is you don't get a last chance. And so when I suggest now for that person you really love, you know, write the gift today. Because there is no guarantee for tomorrow. And this is a toxic society. As we talk here today, uh, just look at the news today. We got all over the world. We got buses killing people. You know, we got, it's just, it's, it's a toxic society out there. And, you know, I, it's funny because I just got a call from a television station about possibly doing this. And, and, and the producer is going, but I, I don't like that line. I don't want to die. Well, no one wants to die, but look at the headlines today. We live in a toxic society. And I can tell you, I in a lot of schools I work with, this thing is just like, they tell me it's the perfect holiday gift, like from middle school and, and above. You know, I, I think to put down in writing what, what someone means to you and give it to them, have them read it back to you, it makes for a Christmas gift you'll never, ever, ever forget. And, uh, you know, if anybody wanted to, uh, you know, I, I, they could go to my website. It's up there. In fact, I'll tell you, Jethro, I, I actually put this thing together in a PDF form. If there's any principal out there, because you don't have to do this in Christmas time. You can give the gift any time of year, actually. It's better at this time of year. But if anybody wants it, I will send it to them in Word format. And you can put your school letterhead on and send it out. It's a gift. You know, I spoke at the Pennsylvania School Counselors Conference, and afterwards they, they made a video, and that's one of the videos on my on my website. But a book publisher came over and said, Hey, Steve, let's put this out in a little bro- a little quite brochure. We can sell it for a couple bucks. You're going to make a lot of money. So we just call it the gift. He said, well, Easy to sell. It's such a great idea. And I said, I really can't do that. He said, Why not? I said, Because then it wouldn't be a gift. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so 
I, I didn't do it, and I and I really like to just share the idea. It was a gift given to me that made a big difference in my life. And um, like I say, uh, some state principal organizations have actually sent this out to to all their members, and and I'm willing to share it because that's what it's about. And it really made a difference to me this year because I've been doing this for a couple of years. But Jeffrey, I died this year. And do we have time to tell this story? Yes, please. I think this is this is powerful. This is, I mean, this is, I mean, you couldn't write a better script. That's, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm keynoting like six or eight major conferences this this idea, with this idea this year. I've always been known as the power of one speaker. I mean, I've always said that. Look at my background. You know, look what I did. You know, I made it. You know, I went through all this stuff. I came out on top. And I, I went around the world talking about the power of one. You know, I was on Oprah. I was on covered all over the place. Power of one, making a difference. And and that's what I, I, I did for a bunch of years. And, you know, you can make a difference. No matter what, you know, you're, you, can, you can make a, a big difference. Well, this year, I was I deal a lot with the latest crisis right now. Heroin is where I live is huge right now. So we have more people dying from heroin overdoses where I live in Cleveland than we do from car accidents and, and uh, homicides, and it's huge. And uh, I was speaking at a school system right outside of Cleveland in Medina, Ohio, uh, about heroin in front of 800 people. It was actually January 15th of this year. And in front of 800 people, I died. I had a cardiac arrest. I went down so hard that they, they, they assumed I had a concussion. But I went down. Now, sometimes I make points with people when you work with teachers. You're, you're a principal. You know, you got to do crazy things to get their attention. <laughs> Somebody knew about me thought, well, maybe he's just doing this to get attention. But luckily, there was a principal there. And that principal looked at me and, and said, that guy is not kidding around. Two SROs were in the audience. And if you can believe this, Jeff, I mean, maybe you know this, 90% of all people who have a cardiac arrest die, 90%. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get treatment, if you don't get an AED on you within a minute, you start to lose brain function. By three minutes, man, you got serious, serious problems. I went down, and within a minute, Jeff, they had one officer on me doing CPR. The other officer ran out, got the AED, the principal, and that was Alan Mike, the principal, Andy Brenner, was trained, if you can believe this, two weeks before with AED. Two weeks before. He came over, put that on me, and they blasted me, and I came back. For me, when I went to the Cleveland Clinic, and that's where they, they took me, the director of the whole Cleveland Clinic heart unit came over and said, man, you are just it's hard to believe your story, you know, to, to go down, have people on you within a minute, to have an AED outside the door, to have, it's just, it's just, it was just an incredible story. So, you know, people like you, they, 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 should be, they, they should be dead. And I just feel so blessed that the way that went down like that, and, I, and I've used this idea of the gift before, and I always talked if I die, well, Hell, I did die this year. I didn't get any white flashes or anything like that. But to die and to come back, I I get the goosebumps just thinking about that. And I'm just so fortunate to be here. I mean, my real gift this year is that I I am still alive. And, you know, I, I died. I came back. And a principal saved my life. I mean, that is so cool. Now, there's one other little part to this. This power of one guy 
that was being life flighted because they they thought, they thought I was dying. And, and what was really, really crazy was that um, when I went down, there were so many like coincidences, although people say there are no coincidences there. It's just things you don't understand. They had the officers there. They had the principal there. When I went down, there was a school psych in the audience that knew my daughter, who was a school psych, but this girl did not, Rachel did not know me, but she knew my name and she knew my daughter. She called my daughter as when I went down and my daughter was able to talk to the EMS and give them some medical information about me, which probably helped save my life. Wow. I know the hospital, I called my other daughter, who's a teacher. She was driving to the Cleveland Clinic to see me because they don't know if I'm going to die or not. And she looks up as she gets close and she's crying. She looks up and there's a helicopter landing at the Cleveland Clinic. And she thought, I'm going to take a picture just in case it's my dad. It was. I mean, how ironic. I mean, when I, I went back and talked to the transport unit at the Cleveland Clinic and they, I showed them the picture, they said, that, that's you. They said, that is so incredible. You talk about a coincidence. I mean, there's your daughter coming up there to see you, hoping you're still alive, and she takes a picture and catches you landing at the Cleveland Clinic. The superintendent from the school, afterwards, in a couple of weeks, he emailed me over and said, you know, Steve, I just got to tell you this. We always had a core of like about 75, 50 teachers that go out after every meeting every year, and they do a prayer group. He said that day... We, the 50 teachers went out and formed a prayer group. They were praying for you. But he said the other 750 people, as he left the auditorium, saw them. And they all, he said, every person came over. He said, you had 800 people praying for you in a prayer circle. Wow. And I, wow, I guess, I guess it worked. You know, it was just so many things. I mean, two weeks before that, Jethro, I, would, I was in Putacana. I would have been dead for sure. That would have happened on my ride out that morning. I, I, I probably would have been dead. To have it go down like that, it's just so, so incredible. And, and you know, it's kind of funny, too. Educators saved my life when I was a teenager. When those doctors said, pay attention to your teacher, you know, that saved my life. And here it is way down the road. Again, principals and educators saved my life, literally. For the second time. I mean, they, they saved my life early on, putting me on the right path, getting educated. And then later on, actually saved my, my life. And I mean, that's just, to me, is so incredible. But here's the life-saving change for me. As I'm being life-flighted, and I'm dying. I, I mean, I don't, I, I, I'm laying there. I, as, as I'm in the helicopter, the, the people were great, you know, and they're, they're life-flighting me and they're going, hey, you can relax, you can relax. And I'm thinking, I don't know if anybody in the audience has ever thought they were dying. When you, when you think you're dying, you don't want to go to sleep because you figure that's it. And I'm going like, I'm, I'm there and they're going, relax, relax. I'm going, I can't relax. I mean, if I relax, I'm, I might die. And I, I can't relax. And I'm laying there and I'm going, hey, I'm a motivational speaker. I've gone around the world. I've told people about, I go out to kids and staff and I say, hey, you know, it's my body, my choice. I'm not your toy. I'm the power of one. I can do it. And I'm going, you know, what would I tell somebody in my position? I'm going, well, hey, I'm the power of one. I got, you know, it's my body, my choice. I'm not your toy. I, I, I am the power. I, I can make it. And I'm laying there, Jeff, and you know what? I realize I can't. And for the first time in my life, I really realized the power of one was not enough. I needed the power of many. If these doctors didn't do their job, you know, if that SRO, if that principal wouldn't have been there, and the other doctors I have yet to see, if they can't do what they need to do, 
I'm not going to live. Yeah. And I just had this realization at that time, and I get goosebumps when I tell you right now, is on that helicopter ride, I lived my life thinking I was the power of one, and I was doing all this stuff. Jethro, it wasn't me. I had a team behind me. I just never saw it. I never realized it. I thought it was me. You know, even back in school, I had all those teachers pushing for me. You know, I'm sure I had a principal out there trying to direct me in the right way. I had all these people pushing for me, and I always thought it was just me. And and on that flight, I just, just had this, you know, all of a sudden I realized, you know, hey, it's not the power of one. It's the power of many. And why that resonates so well for everything I do right now, a principle. You know, you're not, you can't do it by yourself. You, you need everybody in that school working with you. If you're a teacher, sure, you go to your classroom. But, hey, if those other teachers aren't working with you with those kids, it's not going to make a difference. In every job you have, you know, as I was in that hel- helicopter and I'm thinking about the power, I'm wondering, how about the person that put the gasoline or diesel fuel in that in that helicopter that morning? How about the person, the EMS that, that, that fueled up that, that ambulance that took me over there? How about the nurses that were cleaning up the room? Where There are all these people behind. And sometimes, you know, when you know we go out and we look and we give this one person all this credit, it, it, it wasn't, it, it's not like that in real life. And here I was for, and, and I do think, I do think there is a power of one. When I go out to talk right now, I, I do a lot of work with Native Americans, and we have this thing that you have the power of one to start a fire, but you need the power of many to keep that fire burning. And boy, that I, I really believe that that is my message right now. Actually, my whole message when I talk now is about relationships, because if you can't relate, nothing else really matters. Yeah. But you got to work together as a team, and on that, on that helicopter ride, it changed my life. The power of one became the power of many. And I'm just really, really blessed uh, to be able to experience that. I, I just found it interesting that the, you know, that that educators have saved my life twice. You know, yeah. Uh, and having a principal save you—I mean, that is so, so cool. You know, and uh, you know, Andy—he's such a cool guy too. I mean, I, I taught him several times, obviously, and he said, "You know what?" And this is a good message for all your principals out there. He said, I play this full today, isn't it? I mean, we have so many things to do. And then they wanted me to do AED training. And he said, you know what? He said, that night when I went home, I told my wife, I'll never doubt AED training again. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's one of those things where when you don't have it, then you don't think about it. But when you do and you actually have to use it, then it really you know, impacts your life forever. And he'll be a test fire of that for the rest of his life, I'm sure. Right. And, you know, and we think it's important for, for kids in school too, because I mean, I mean, there's always, you know, always going to hear about the problem that every once in a while they have with a student having a cardiac arrest or heart attack. But you think about those kids, what are the ages of their parents, their grandparents that they often live with, you know? And so they, having the skills of doing CPR, an AED may be able to save somebody that they love in, in their life. So yeah, the idea, I think, is, is a good one to learn the basic CPR and, the, and to, to, to know about how to do AEDs because truly it's a life, life-saving skill, you know. And um, in many states now, they're pushing it. They're making state mandate. Well, they're, they're passing state recommendations because it's, <laughs> there's just so much to do for every principal out there. But I'll tell you, with Andy Brenner, I am so happy he knew about AEDs and they had a couple SROs. And I mean, 
I'm just really, really blessed. And uh, as many people have told me, you know, this is no mistake. You're still here. You're here to get this message out and let people know this is important stuff out there. And uh, I feel blessed. I, I felt blessed before I died, actually, with the idea of the gift. Uh, but now it mean, really, 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 really means a lot more to me now because if I wouldn't have done it, I would have left a whole lot of people without letting them know how much they really meant to me. And, you know, you can say things to them, but, you know, you know I've done a letter to my wife and my kids and, and they got it back to me. And, and those are the one, those are the gifts you never, you never get rid of. So I, I just tell people, when you think about giving something this year, forget about all of the stuff you can buy. Do what you can't buy, you know, the, the gift. And if, if your school system can't do the gift in a toxic society, they can still do a gift. But I think in this toxic society, it becomes even more, really more important because there are no guarantees in life. And that's my job. I go out and I see many, many people that are just, uh, they didn't get a second chance to write this letter. So I really, really appreciate, you know, you letting me come on and, and share this gift with other people because it's a, it, it is the best gift you can give or that you can receive, I, I believe, at this time of the year. Yeah, thank you so much for that. That was a great interview with Dr. Steven Sroka, and I sure learned a lot, and I hope you did too. If there's one thing you take away, it's the opportunity to get, do that gift in a toxic society. I hope you'll take a moment to do that and and really put down on paper your feelings and what you appreciate about other people and what you want them to know and how they impact your life. That's a really powerful thing. Uh, we're going to have a part two of the conversation with him next week, so please uh, come back for that, and that's going to be a great conversation with him as well. Transformative Principle is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators by educators. Visit edupodcastnetwork.com for more great podcasts.